Blog Talk Radio. It's already done. It's the Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast with host Tyra Little. We're live Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. This show deals with personal and community issues by getting to the root cause and causes on an open and raw level. We're unpacking emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical topics that influence and often control us. Get ready to unload, examine, and process. Let's get unpacked on Never Handed So Good Sports Media Network, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, hello, and welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. I'm your host, Tyra Little, and today I have with me Dr. Aaron Bishop. He's the current one of the current school board commissioners for Richland District 1, and he's holding seat one. So, Dr. Bishop, welcome to the show. Good morning, good morning, and thank you for the wonderful opportunity to be on your platform. I appreciate you. Hey, I thank you for taking time out. I really do, because I know your schedule is busy. I know you have a busy day today because you have a school board meeting today, so I thank you for carving out that time to be live with me earlier today, which we will broadcast again at 6. So um, I appreciate you carving that time out in space. So, Thank you. Yeah, so let's get into it. Let's um, First, I want to congratulate you on, I know you recently received um, your doctoral degree. So if you want to, um, you know, definitely want to congratulate you on that, but then also want to give you an opportunity to tell the listeners who you are and let's also talk about that process of you getting your doctoral degree as well. Again, thank you so much, Tara, for this opportunity to engage your listeners, be on your platform. I'm so proud of you, and I appreciate everything you do with this courageous conversation, opportunity for many people to come and talk about relevant uh, subject matter. Uh, but those you, who sir. may not know, my name is uh, Dr. Aaron Bishop. Um, I've just recently received my Ph.D. from Columbia International University right here in uh, our city. Um, All right. I actually um, received that honor with my bride of 22 years. We were classmates as well as uh, <laughs> so we were classmates as well as soulmates, um, and um, both our degrees are in organizational leadership. And so as I uh, remember just meeting a guy uh, from Fox News who did uh, a story on us, uh, Tyra. He said just the fourth-rated highest um, uh, cover story he's ever done for Watch Fox. So oh, wow. hopefully we can do. Hopefully we can we can have that magic magical opportunity with your platform today. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dr. Bishop, um, I think that for my first question, you can speak to it better than um, anybody else, the question that I've asked, because here's the thing. We don't ever want to insult anyone's intelligence. And, you know, you and I have had this conversation before, but we also want to make, make sure that people are well informed as to the different offices that they're voting for. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes people don't really know all the ins and outs of every office. I mean, it's just, it's factual. Yeah. It's, we just don't. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I would like for you to tell us, the give us the description of what um, a commissioner for the school board, what, what is your job? What do you do? You know, thank you for that question, Ty, because we always ask people to vote, but they don't know who or why they're, who they're voting for or why they're voting. And so mm-hmm. voter awareness, voter education is critical to getting people out to the polls. So as a commissioner for the school district, um, uh, I'm not the superintendent <laughs> that some people have uh, called me. They're like, yeah, you're the superintendent. Oh, no, no, I'm not the superintendent. I'm actually one of seven board members who help govern um, mm-hmm. and hold the, the, the entity called the school district accountable to the development and the learning experience of our children, to the security and safety of our staff, to the um, accountability of all of our uh, staff and employees uh, being treated fairly and uh, being supported and being awarded or rewarded. Um, those those are the responsibility of governance to make sure the oversight is there as this entity works in our community. And then the way we uh, do that or have oversight is that we enforce policy. So we are policy makers. We mm-hmm. govern through policy. Um, and that means you have to remove your personality. You have to always use the policy in front of you because the policy makes kids first. It makes staff um, accountable. It makes the community um, uh, feel like they can entrust in us uh, what has been afforded to us as tax dollars, resources. Uh, so it's, it's just that simple. We are policymakers and we are the governing body, those two things is what a commissioner does. And truth is, it's on a salary of about maybe six to $7,000 a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a year. So right. we are, we're at the highest level of the food chain, but we're probably paid less than anybody in the district. Right, right. And so that takes definitely um, time and dedication. So I would like to ask you, Dr. Bishop, so how long, because you've been on the school board for a little while, how long have you been in this position? Um, Twelve years ago, I told people I was the return on the investment as a product of the school district who matriculated mm-hmm. K through 12. Um, I came back and um, started involving myself as, uh, watch this, a substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. I was also a coach uh, at the school that I graduated from, Keenan. I also uh, coached at Dreher High School uh, then turned around and did school improvement council at Eau Claire High School. So 12 years ago, I, I, I traded in all of that capital um, for service um, to a higher level within the district, and um, it's been a it's been a rewarding opportunity. People may say, "Well, what does that mean?" Um, to see children smile, to hear grandparents say thank you to hear those who helped me get to the place I am and say, I'm proud of you. You're doing a great job. For 12 years, uh, that is what has been the rewarding experience um, for me being on the Richard One School Board. Okay. Okay. So, well, let's get into some of the questions. So, I've, you know, put out on social media, 
Um, and I do have some questions that have come in, some from some teachers and just some from mm-hmm. different concerned citizens, um, mm-hmm. which, again, what I always say, man, you know, we say that the children are our future, but are we really mm-hmm. treating them like that? And even if you don't have a child in school, if you don't have a grandchild that's in this district or whatever, if you live in the district that housed students for Richland District 1, you should be engaged in wanting to know what's going on because the thing about it is if when stuff happens and, say, for instance, our children get put out of school or whatever, now they're they're in the neighborhood. And so we have to be concerned with the education that they are getting, their safety, because, they're, it, hey, they're a product of the environment of which they live in. And so if we don't show concern and do try to help them to get the best education that's possible, you know, it's going to come back on us as the adults. And so, you know, I try to tell people, you know, don't just be engaged in the school system just because, you know, your children are in there or your grandchildren, be engaged because you care because these are the children that are in your community. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I want to start off by here's one of the questions here, kind of a little lengthy here, but um, for the past six years, we have seen virtually no increase in academic achievement, especially in the all-important third-grade reading scores. And the achievement gap between white students and students of color remains unchanged. Um, why haven't we done better? I think we've always figured that um, third grade reading scores is relevant to what? Mm-hmm. The building of beds and prisons. Yep. Um, and I, I do understand that there is this conscious um, awareness of what is happening there. And so when we look at what may be the numbers um, of standards, we also have to look at the growth of the child. Um, there are students who are coming to us without any um, development pre-K, okay? And so when we get the child, we get the child in, let's just talk about it, in um, the most challenged and harvest communities, right, where the mm-hmm. resources aren't there before they come to us as a rich and one student. So this child is developmentally delayed. Let's paint the picture. And so when we get the child, we literally start to develop the child um, at a rapid pace, trying to get them up to speed with their counterparts who were given um, uh, from five months to six months of uh, child care development to they get to us, right? And so here's a child who hasn't be, received any behavioral intervention, who hasn't received any academic intervention, and we're trying to do what they call a moonshot, a moonshot opportunity to get this child out of that category of, a prison-to-pipeline education, mm-hmm. uh, pipeline-to-prison education opportunity. So let's talk about solutions because you, uh, you said we haven't done it in the last six years. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm proud to state 
that um, we are taking some of the most aggressive steps as the board who helped set the vision to do child care centers throughout this community where mm-hmm. we can definitely age the child almost at the age of two, maybe three, so that what you see in some of our most challenging environments, like let's talk about what becomes the lagging indicator. Like you have a leading indicator of this child is in reading to proficiency by K3, right, maybe a grade three. Mm-hmm. Well, the last indicator which says what does a graduation rate look like? Because when you talk about reading rates, it has to be related to what? Reading, I mean, graduation rate. Reading rate equals what? Graduation rate. That's what we want to collect. That's what we want to connect as far as bridging the gap, bridging the achievement gap. Right there at Keenan, Keenan has a 93.3 graduation rate. I'm saying it again. Keenan High School this year has a 93.3 graduation rate. In 2019, excuse me, 2018, which is almost five years ago, they were at a 70.8. So while we are increasing at the top level, which is graduation rate, now we're trying to get in front of the reading scores and help us have a quicker rate of success that helps us have proficient readers by third grade. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe we've been doing something on the lagging end, which is trying to increase graduation rate, stabilize that. Now we got to go put the fire out at the what? The K through three or third grade area and make the improvement back We're there. Therefore, the achievement gap is closed. And we start to see success all the way around. That's what the board is trying to do. That's what the board needs to do. And we're doing it, watch this, everybody, on 2000, I would say 2009 pay scale. There's something called Act 388 that the state government of South Carolina um, refuses to fully fund education. When we start to look at what investment looks like, sometimes we have to rob Peter to pay Paul. We have to put one priority in front of another, and both are priorities to all of us. People want great reading scores. People want great graduation rates. They want Kate completers. They want pathways uh, for people to go to college. They want all of this. But when we're not fully funding education as a state, then some things are impacted. And therefore, as a board, we have to find an equitable way to fill the void and by investing in these child care centers that would be across our footprint, I believe we're going to start to see an impact just like we see the impact in graduation rates. Yeah, I mean, and it's the responsibility that we have to make sure that, you know, we're graduating people, but we have to make sure that they're able to function when they get out of here. Um, True. I mean, that's, that's you know, it's, it's critical. Um, and yeah. with that, and from listening to what you said, I, I have um, another question just hit me. Um, how do you feel about social promotion? Because in middle school, sometimes this is when you see they just do the social promotion. You have children that may have failed a grade more than once, 
or there's a child that has failed a grade, but then they're also um, challenging for the teachers. And yeah. so they pass them with a the social promotion, which sometimes isn't the, the best thing to do. I mean, how, how, how do you feel about that? I, I definitely believe it's case-by-case basis. When you start the cookie-cut um, solutions mm-hmm. um, for all the children, it may not work for you know, all. It may work for some. Um, there are some serious uh, social uh, economic challenges out here where, mm-hmm. you know, it's not generational poverty, but it's situational poverty. And you can see the promise in a child um, in certain cases where, okay, they were going through middle grades, right? And middle grades mm-hmm. is probably going to be our next mountain. One quote says, after one mountain, there'll be another mountain, right? Mm-hmm. And what people don't really realize is between mountains, there's a valley experience, there's a dip. And while I just finished telling you the success of high school graduation rates, because everybody wants to say, well, we pull AC flooring and drill out, the district is not doing anything. Well, I just highlight that, you know, Keenan has a 93% um, graduation rate. But then when you look at the dip that we have sometimes in our middle grades, so we're going to give people the resources to educate their child before they start kindergarten with these child development centers, right? Mm-hmm. And then after that, the challenge is going to be, what do we do with the middle grades? Is social promotion the only solution? No. As no. a board, I trust that the minds that sit on that board, along with leadership, we're going to creatively find a way to find a way. We're going to find a solution that's not cookie cutter, but that every child matters. That social promotion may work for some children, but what about the ones that don't? Mm-hmm. So those are the children that definitely um, put resources to. We're going to put wraparound services to that child because they could have been traumatized mm-hmm. by the death of the parent, right? Absolutely. They could have been traumatized because as they developed, someone with a perverted mind chose to take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of situations where you just can't say that shouldn't work. Uh, we shouldn't be right. doing that. Mm-hmm. In some cases, it's, 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 a, it's a raft thrown in the water for a child who's drowning in their academic development. So, I think and, I, and, that's, and that's kind of the case. Case. And that's kind of the case that I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Because I've, I've seen that to where they went ahead and just promoted a child, and basically it caused the child to decline even more, suffer more, and they end up being a high school dropout because they really Mm. couldn't survive, they couldn't compete. And so now you're in high school and you're embarrassed because, for one, you're already behind, you know, the rest of the people that's age long with you, but now you can't even even compete um, with the ones that that you're in the grade with now. So, you know, and I I really do believe, like what you just said, you know, it, it is a cookie cutter. You know, I mean, you know, you, you can't really do the cookie cutter thing. You have to do it case by case. So yeah, you have to. Even, it has to be, if it takes a village to raise a child, then it takes a team to educate a student or develop a student. So when we look at 
what may be the need for guidance counselors to come in and say, uh, let's see how this child is developing socially, emotionally, uh, mentally, relationally, uh, just not just educationally, but what are the other areas in their life where we can give um, uh, intervention so that dropout is not it's, dropout is not just an academic situation. It's it's a mental situation. It's an emotional mm-hmm. situation. And so when you look at social workers trying to find out what kind of environment that child is being um, raised in, there's right. a lot of things that make a child drop out. It's just not Absolutely. they couldn't two plus two equals four. It's just that they, nobody nobody wakes them up in the morning. I still got to wake up a teenager in my house. Right. 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 And so I think when we look at every day, every child, every day, every child, we have to use every resource. I mean, and that's, I mean, spot on. I mean, that's that's very true. But again, we also have to look at where they spend the majority of their time today. True, they're all of the other life circumstances. I mean, that's huge in their life. So you're already dealing with those issues, and then you go to school, and now here's another issue that's embarrassment. So I guess more so for me, my question is, what do we put into place to try to make sure that when we know that, you know, there are other circumstances or this is a situation how do we make sure that we monitor those children that are being socially promoted to make sure that they don't end up being one of the dropouts? Yeah, I, I think we're right in the same circle of the conversation. So I'll mm-hmm. put it in this way. Um, I just told you Keenan's graduation is 93.0, right, um, as a graduation rate. But you know what that principal was thinking about? Where's that 7%. That's what that principal was doing. That principal was not sitting on his laurels. He's sitting here saying to himself, what do I do to target that 7%? Because maybe there's an opportunity for that child or those children to still find success. Mm-hmm. I remember almost four years ago, five years ago, as a school district, we questioned the children that were not on diploma track. Well, they're not on diploma track. What does life look for them post Richland One? And we we made a partnership with uh, places like uh, uh, MC Suites, who would hire a child with that challenge and allow them to have a, a place of employment. And we went to to MC Suites and threw them a band, a whole banquet with their mm-hmm. family and friends. Each one of those students stepped up and told us what their new responsibility would be in a place of employment. That was huge for them children. That was huge mm-hmm. for those students because someone uh, has to see that their their life is just as valuable as a student Absolutely. who got a full scholarship to USC, who got Absolutely. a full scholarship to do. Right. We want those children to be what we call contributing citizens of our society. Mm-hmm. If we're Richland One, we're at transforming lives through education, well, we should be transforming all children. That's the goal. Absolutely. Now, and you know what? Realistically, go ahead. You know what? And don't mean to cut you off. This is one of the things that I can say. Now, this is one that I can speak to that I've actually seen. And so when you're saying all children, because I think sometimes the children at Fairwall Pendergrass 
are forgotten. And not necessarily mm-hmm. just by, I really do. I believe that sometimes they're forgotten. And I will tell you this. I actually, I commend, and I'm not saying that nobody else, the other principals are not doing their job. But what I can say with the situation that Dr. Um, Faye is, is Redenberg, right? I think I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. it right. Or Redenberg, mm-hmm. maybe the correct Redenberg. pronunciation. Mm-hmm. I love one of the things that she was doing. This was pre-COVID. And so those kids, some of those kids can stay in, you can correct me if I'm wrong, to the age of 21, correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. So what I love, one of the things that she was doing was that they were actually working in the community. So they would bust them over. And at the time, there was a thrift store. And I just so happened to go into the thrift store. And um, one, one of the young ladies, I mean, just a blooming, awesome personality, um, she was sitting in the wheelchair, and she was the greeter, you know, and it was just, mm. there's no way mm. that you could walk past that child and yeah. walk away from there and not be inspired, you know, I mean, because she just had the perfect attitude, you know, for it, you know, and so I love the fact that they don't leave them by the wayside. Yeah, you may be 18 and everybody else is considering you as being grown, but they, you know, Whatever the program is, how it works to keep them there until 21, but then to actually put the ones who can actually work out there to give them that opportunity while they're still in school, that's huge. That's tremendous. And so, you know, I think sometimes that those babies are overlooked. Um, You know, I don't know how you guys are doing as far as allowing people to come back in and to um, go back into the schools, but that's a school that, if it's possible, and if we have any listeners that's listening to me, if it's possible, we need to try to do better with extending help over there to Fairwall Pendergrass. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm serious, Amen. man. I, I saw what they did a little parade for them one time in the neighborhood, you know, and it was like, wow, we need to make this bigger so that we can make it bigger, so that people can see what's going on over here and that these children are not forgotten. So that's my little my little nugget there, and I'm a hush there because that has been a hard <laughs> string of tug for me um, sometimes to go past and you see those babies out there playing in the playground and just to hear the sincereness of the laughter of their heart. You know what I mean? It's just a lot. But I'm yeah. I'm gonna stop. Let's get back to these questions. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I think it's a great conversation to have because you know, we, we do have a lot of narratives that are out there about Richmond One, but what about those stories? You know? Oh yeah. And I appreciate highlighting that. Because there's a lot to talk about or tell about um Richmond One and you know, I, I guarantee you, me, you could probably deal with this for the next five hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I just I just encourage people to do what you said. Uh, develop a relationship with your school, mm-hmm. right? The schools that's in your neighborhood, yeah. Because these, these are our children. These are mm-hmm. our children. I don't just exclusive ownership, but this is our community, our children, mm-hmm. and if you if you're giving access to deal with children, it has to be something that is trustworthy. Because right. we do have a, a lot who want to get into our schools, but 
Let's process. You just can't show up and knock on the door and say, hey, I want to be a volunteer. Right. Okay, first of all, <laughs> did, you, did you pass a background check? Mm-hmm. Have you been visible and around? Because, you know, some things may not show up on a background check. Right. People, you know, really say this is a person who has a relationship with the school and we're willing to work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it takes more than just teachers. Teachers are leaders, right? That's right. Uh, principals are our leaders. Our custodians help keep our schools clean, and our gatekeepers help, also. Yeah, they help keep out, um, you know, things that may try to, you know, mm-hmm. take our children's lives. Right. right. So it, 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 it's it's going to take a little more because. As big as our budget is and what we're doing, I promise you it's not enough because human capital is just as valuable as financial capital. So, yeah, what you right. stated, I value. We, we need more people, but let's do the right process to get inside. Absolutely. And that's why I said, you know, I don't know exactly how you guys are doing, you know, with allowing people to come back into COVID and after COVID, come back into the schools after COVID, um, you know, and we – you know, I would hope that everyone would know that there is a process, you know what I'm saying, that you would have to, you know, go through in order to do that. But, again, I just say just don't leave Fairwall Pendergrass behind. I mean, the staff there, I think they're doing a tremendous job, a fabulous job with what they have. Um, and you could tell that they got, they have a love for the children um, because it is, it is a, cha- you know, it can be challenging days for them. But, anyway, let's keep it moving. Um so here's the next question, I, and you kind of hit across some of this already. Um, are you concerned that the district lost more teachers than most any other districts in the state? What happened, and what are you all going to do about it? You know, I've heard this before, and I think it just <laughs> has to be uh, something that you you really process um because is is it scalable? Is it comparable? Um, because everyone lost teachers. A lot of people lost bus drivers. People lost custodians. It, it, I went to a restaurant, and I tell people this. I went to a restaurant. There was no one in the um, waiting area, and the host told me it would be 45 minutes before we can seat you. I'm looking like, is there a line? <laughs> so the, the strain on the workforce is real and is happening. Um, but what we did institute was something called Project Rise. Um, mm-hmm. Project Rise is a program where we are getting teachers who haven't yet passed the practice, but we are trying to help them get into the classroom. So we're going to help teach them um, the, the the opportunity of getting credit, of getting their credentials, so we can keep those teachers. Um, right. Sometimes you got to even grow your own. Um, when I say grow your own, we're talking about literally uh, looking at a high school student, uh, can be like a teacher cadet, uh, send them over to Columbia uh, College, where it's the Call Me Mr. program with Craig King, and literally going to their graduation as a recruiting staff and saying, can you come and start work tomorrow, you know, at Richmond One? Because we want to make sure that our children – are being led with professional and committed staff. 
Now, let me paint the picture a little more. Uh, it's just not about the loss of teachers um, as a district, but we got to look at the fact of classroom, um, teacher-to-classroom ratio. Mm-hmm. How, how many students are in front of these teachers or how many teachers have a number of students that is acceptable and approachable? We we are looking at a strategic approach where the board told Dr. Witherspoon, we want smaller classroom sizes, right? Which mm-hmm. means he could be what people would probably call, you know, thin by way of education and literally had enough teachers for every class, but the classroom would have been 30, 32, 35 kids. I looked at this uh, article the other day, Tyra, where I think in Arizona, and somebody mm-hmm. probably is out there saying, well, we're not Arizona. Arizona had 70 kids per teacher. So if there's not enough teachers, what do they, what do, they do? They they put they put all the Combined kids classes. in one class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're doing that. We're doing that musical stairs. We're we're kind of trying to figure this thing out because mm-hmm. a it's a issue nationwide. Where right. And, and we know it's a protection. nationwide issue. We know it's a nationwide yeah. issue. We do, but we have to deal with what we have at hand here. So you know, oh, no I mean that's yeah, that's why they're posing the question. But now you just hit across something else um, in saying that. And so here here's one of the other things that you hear a lot of times too. Um, you know, we're talking about shortages in all the categories with dealing with um, District 1, you know, and as you mm-hmm. as you just pinpointed and said, it's not just teachers, you know. I mean, you know, you have vacancies all around. But one of the things that um, I've heard before, and I'm sure that you have heard also, is that, and this covers the, one of the entities that you guys as school board commissioners um, actually govern, they're saying that teachers, guidance counselors, that have actually applied for the district, and they're not getting callbacks. Yeah, I, I think I've heard you address this um, in several other places and I think on other forums. Um, we brought a whole presentation um, to the last board meeting to address that because mm-hmm. we were hearing this from the community, and here's your transparent moment, here's your accountability thing that people are saying, we want transparent accountability. We brought it right before everybody on that school board meeting. We brought everyone in from finance to HR to um, uh, certified and classified leadership and said, we want you to answer these questions. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And they explained how things that you when know, people applied and where it went in, and certain people who applied, if the per, a part of the process. So if if you don't fully fill out an application, it doesn't go to the next level for people to contact you. When you're looking at even payment system, which was part of that whole situation, if your supervisor don't do the right part of the process, then payment was delayed. So what we're talking about, literally, Tyra, is a systematic issue that has to have more training. So we demanded that more training happens more frequently because some of these things can be a challenge to your staff. 
some of these things could be challenges to people who are applying. So we don't want any more bottlenecks. We don't want any more jumping right. through hoops and ladders. We want to get things better so we can get more, what, employees, so we can retain more staff. And these signing bonuses, they're great, but we want the people to get paid every time they're supposed to get paid. Absolutely. I don't. I don't. I don't take it for granted, or I don't. You know, I don't. I don't take it lightly when someone calls me and say, "I didn't get paid." Okay, I'm gonna take care of that right now. Right. And there are people who are talking about who are bus drivers who call me, and I say, "I'm on it right now," and it got handled. But mm-hmm. what we, what I'm saying now is, we we don't mind being contacted by it because what we have to do as a board is govern and go straight mm-hmm. to the superintendent and say, are you aware of this situation? I think you need to look into it immediately and respond mm-hmm. back to me on the on the state of affairs with this situation. And that's right. the role that he has to do. And right. so uh, we're, 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 we're all, we are willing to address all those situations okay. to make this organization better, and that's our mm-hmm. goal. Okay, well, that's our goal. So now... You've brought his name up more than once, the superintendent. Let's talk about the elephant in the room because in all of the different forms and even when you look in um, different write-ups, news articles, the big question. So one one of the questions is, why do you support the continuation of the current superintendent's contract? Um. I think whoever asked that question is putting the cart before the horse. Um, there is a process to evaluating the CEO and the superintendent of the school district. I support that process. You have seen where people, uh, especially board members, um, have taken a different route outside of that process. And I think as a steward of the district, who people uh, vote me in and hold me accountable to the district, wants, wants me to follow the policy and procedure of the district. That is what I support, which means that we evaluate the superintendent every year, seven board members, not one, not a few, but all, and then we deliberate, and then we vote. So for someone to question what has not taken place yet, I'm trying to figure out how can you put the cart before the horse. Well, I, I think from looking, from looking at this question, and, you know, um, I think you're talking about me because, as, as you know yourself, and, uh, and I, don't, I don't know if there has been a form that, the issue with the superintendent that has not come up. So um, I think more so what they're looking at is over over the time span of when people started questioning and started saying things about the superintendent, um, what's being said. And it's funny because I just I saw an article, um, I forgot exactly which um, outlet it was, but I'll look for it again and, and shoot it over to you. Um, but that was one of the questions. You know, they were saying that, um, it seems like you have you do have some people that are um, for the termination of the superintendent, and then it seems like you have the others that are just supporting regardless of what the issues are. Um, 
And I hear that you say that there is um, there is something that's, you know, a protocol that's in place um, that you have to follow. Um, but I also know that I couldn't remember, I'm trying to think, and I know that you talked with the young lady afterwards. The forum that we were at at the library and the question that she was asking, um, you know, the process of that, are you all going to make that um, transparent so that everyone else can understand or can see what's going on, what, what, is, what, are, what are the measuring tools that you guys are using? And I don't know if that's something that you could actually, you know, give. I don't know um, if there's any liability in that by just, you know, giving the measuring tools that you all use when you evaluate the superintendent. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be very transparent. But just know, as any personnel matter, um, you have to be very careful, okay, um, with with how you handle the process. Um, because I, I've seen at those same panels where – before you even can evaluate the, the superintendent by way of the matrix, the metrics and the process, um, your, your answer is already, yeah, he, he needs to go. I think that things, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's almost like a child walking into school for the first day or they're sitting there and you haven't had any conversation about their behavior and you walk up to the child and say, um, yeah, you you you're gonna fail. You're not gonna make it. You you gotta go. You're suspended. You're fired. But I think it's a little. I think it's a little bigger than that because there have been instances there. People are looking at the other information, and you do have, as we know, the school board settings. You may not always have a crowd that's in there, but people can also go back and view. Um, so they're looking at collectively different things over the years, not just saying that well, before the question is answered, because you have to realize the reason that the question is being asked is because people are beginning to see what they may feel that is some type of a pattern, or there are different things. There are too many different things that are adding up that it's like, why Why is this person still here? So um, I don't think it's I, as, I, I, as dry. Hold on, hold on. I don't, hold on, hold on. I don't think it is as cut and dry as, oh, well, you know, you're not even giving them a chance. You're telling them that they're going to fail. I think that people are looking at several things over the years, not just your onesie twosies. And I don't believe that it's just your onesie twosie people that are asking the questions because this is being brought up a lot. It's not just something that is just being brought up. It's, it's being brought up a lot. Okay, I can talk now. All right. <laughs> I appreciate yeah, because you were cutting me off before I got a chance to finish. <laughs> well, we, we cut each other off now. Let's don't go back and forth. We friends. We shopping buddies. But right. I respect you. It's, this is your show, so I apologize. Um, no, listen, when you look at what people are literally grading him on, you have to ask yourself what is fair and just to him because if you as a board, now let's get back to governance, okay, because it's the board's responsibility to hire and fire the superintendent. If as a board we say this is what's going to be your grading scale, this is what you will be held accountable to, well, if you point that as a vision and direction for the superintendent, 
But then you say, well, all of this over here you didn't do. Well, he still had to manage that and show leadership. If we begin to go outside the process of what we're measuring, then what we are measuring isn't a priority. The thing that he's supposed to be showing leadership and management of that you're calling him out about, maybe that should have been the priority, right? And so when you look at how this tool or this matrix is being managed, as a board, we have to see those things that we told you to show leadership and management of, we should have put it in that tool because we keep calling out, well, the children ain't reading on third grade reading reading levels, or um, we got fights everywhere in the schools, or you know what, um, being 33 years of consistent financial reporting is not good enough. You know, you have to say what you want to grade him on so that when he's graded, it's fair. If not, I am concerned that you could put the district in a disadvantage, maybe even a liable situation, because you keep throwing things at him that's not on the tool that makes all seven board members say, this is the objective measuring stick for this man or this woman. So I hope I made that kind of clear because I can say that I'm looking at certain things and saying, well, he was 3, 3% behind the statewide graduation rate when he got here. But now he's literally Five percent above the state graduation rate. You are three percent behind when you get here, and then you move it five percent higher. All right, so let's bring everything in that he's doing. Because if you're going to talk about the bad, we should also talk about the good, and Absolutely. then grade him fairly. But if we are using citizen journalism of I don't like him because he didn't speak to me. Or, you know what, I don't see him in my neighborhood cooking. I don't think that's it. Okay. I, I, really, I, really, I really don't think that that's it because that's that's petty on the level beyond petty. Um, that's petty on the, on the level beyond petty. And, and unfortunately, we don't have um, the means of what we have in people that are actually calling in, that are asking some of the questions and some of their concerns. Um, yeah. Because what their actual concern or question is, I'm only reading the question, but they would be able to target in on exactly what it is. So, again, this isn't a new question. This is a question that you guys have been getting across the board at, 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 all of the, at, at most of the different forums. I know at least the ones that I've been at, this has been a question. So, um, so I wasn't shocked that someone would actually send that question as well. So now let's let me ask you this question, Dr. Bishop. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So this question says, "Oh, well, this is one that you and I have talked about also." Um, it is asking, "Do you support or how are you feeling about um, the district's moves to reduce the board's oversight of contracts?" 
Are you in support not, of it or not? I guess is let me see basically what they're trying it, to ask. I, I know the temperament and the climate that we are in where um, everyone is kind of uh, scrutinizing is the money being spent right. So transparency, transparency, transparency. Um, when we look at what was the policy, which was in alignment with the state, um, uh, recommendation for what we should adopt, which is, what a lot of districts are doing. Um, you also have to look at the administrative rule. And believe this, that this board is going to give oversight um, to a lot of things in the district. Um, and you have to ask, is what we're adopting something that Richmond 2 is doing, Richmond 1 is doing? Because as we look at how much we have to manage and what we have to do, we could we could literally put it at we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try to have oversight over thing over everything that's more than fifty dollars or less than that's over fifty dollars or more, right? But I think you also put more policies into place where it's just not a number, but it's a process. So. I see what the community is saying. Um, I, I would invite the community to uh, come and, and voice, voice your opinion. Let us hear from you so that as a board we could definitely say, Dr. Witherspoon, uh, the community wants to know more about that project. And then what would be also a part of that process is after the money spent, hey, can you bring back the progress of that? Can you can you report out quarterly on that? Give give us a year to year update on that. I think that's what's going to help this district continue to move forward. Is those type of report outs? Don't let mm -hmm. it just be a check that's out and everything's spent and we never look back. No, this is not a shopping spree. This is investing in equitable resources for our students, and I believe we're going to do that as a board. Okay. Okay. Well, Dr. Bishop, I definitely thank you for your time. I thank you for your answers, your responses. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say to the listeners um, about yourself? I'm a parent. I'm a product. I'm a partner. And speaking of partners, I am Tyra, Tyra <laughs> Shopping Buddy. Okay? I'm going to say that. <laughs> it's an inside joke. One day we were, we were talking, everyone, and I told her I wanted to have just a very organic conversation um, on this platform today. But one day we were just having a conversation. And they said, I know, she was over there bargaining for something or asking for something in the store. And I said, Tyra, are you shopping? She said, yes. <laughs> I say yes, you all. Um, I want to engage real organic conversations with the community like this mm -hmm. because the solution is just not in the district. I think it's in, our, it's, in our, it's in our footprint. It's in our society. And so if you have an idea or something that you're interested in knowing more about, reach out to us. Come to the school board meeting and speak for those three minutes and tell us what you need information on. 
And if you don't get a proper response, please let the board members know. We will get you the information that um, you're leaning or asking about. Lastly, everyone, it's time to get out the vote. Mm-hmm. It's time to get out the vote. I'm asking for your vote. I'm asking for you to help me have continued leadership uh, with Richmond School District 1. I sat here today and reflected on so many things that we've done over the last 12 years. And history will tell the story that it was kids first, that we really made sure that we protected the classroom while we were protecting students. We provided powerful leadership. And if you give me your vote, I ask you for your vote. I will continue to do that with transparency, accountability, powerful leadership, um, power to you. Thank you for what you do to get the word out um, because we have to get the vote out. Early voting has already started, and we have to all make sure November 8th our voices have been heard. Thank you, Absolutely. Donna. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Dr. Bishop, um, again, just like I said, I know you have a busy day. I know you have a school board meeting that you have to plan for for today as well. So I thank you for taking the time out to be on the show. Um, As I normally mention, um, so normally the show is always on Tuesdays. um, But what we have, uh, we've also extended an invitation for the additional candidate that you see may see signs up that's saying that they are a write-in candidate. Um, we're going to have um, that young lady, which is Donna Mack, on the show on Thursday. Um, so you can listen in and hear what she may have to say. Um, but, Aaron, I thank you again. Excuse me, Dr. Uh, Bishop. <laughs> uh, can I say one thing, too? Yes. Sorry, can I say one thing? Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. I know that this is uh, Richmond One focus today, and I know me. You've had many conversations, and this platform probably reaches beyond Richmond One footprint. But you, everyone, there is a race also in Richmond too. Yes, um, it is. Definitely need you all uh, to tune in to any platform or any um, debate and forum. I think there's one going on today. Uh, I will post it on my Facebook page. If anyone wants to know where it is, I will also place it on my IG so that anyone in the Richmond 2 area want to be informed about the candidates so you can vote, um, please make sure you get informed. And I will post it as well. Um, And, again, the only reason, and I think you and I have discussed this as well, is that there is no way that I could interview 12 people, they have entirely, I mean, it's, it's a lot of people that's running for four seats. Um, yeah. And, again, that's a, that's a very important race um, as well because when you're talking about 12 people and there's only four seats, you know, you have to be able to make an informed decision. So you really need to listen. Um, the chamber actually did um, a forum with those candidates mm-hmm. for District 2 also so if you go mm-hmm. back and go to their Facebook page, um, their Instagram page, there should be, for sure, um, that should be on their Facebook page, I'm thinking. So, again, yes. you want to listen to 
those forums so that you can, you know, so that you can make an informed decision. Because, again, I really would have loved to have had a couple of them on. There's no way I could do 12, but then also there there's no fair way that I could say, well, let me interview this particular person and not the rest of them. So to be in all fairness to everyone um, that is running, as well as to the listeners, there's no way that I could actually supply that. But, again, those forums are out there, and it is important that when you hear these type of forums, it's going to be um, – they're telling you when they're going to be. It's important to try to be there or to try to listen in if they have another type of link or something that you can listen live. So thank yes, you for, for bringing that up as well. Well, All right. Dr. Bishop, um, you were telling them about your social <laughs> your social media oh. um, platforms, but you may want to give them your handles so then they will know where yeah. to go to to look for the information. So let's do that. And also that could be a way that maybe they could contact you if they have any questions for you. Exactly. I'm sorry. Thank you, Tyra, uh, for reminding me of that. You know, I'm old school and sometimes I'm not the best at social media uh, but, yeah, I think I need to tell you where to find me. On Instagram, I'm Bishop4, number four, Bishop, Bishop4 Bishop. Um, and then on Facebook, it is Aaron Bishop, A-A-R-O-N, or as the comedian says, A-A-R-O-N, uh, Bishop, B-I-S-H-O-P. Uh, but for those who can't remember that, I'm just tired of shopping, buddy, and so she'll tell you what you can find. <laughs> all right there, all right there. Well, thank you all so much. Um, join us again on Thursday at 6 o'clock, and um, thank you again for listening. This is Pressure Points Unpacked, and I'm your host, Tyra Little. It's already.